Welcome to One For All. I'm your host, Brooke, and today I'm joined by Dr. Caroline Casey, a social entrepreneur, international speaker, and a leading authority on diversity and inclusion. From Sure Trust, One For All. And today we're gonna to chat about how important it is to turn up for yourself, how we can begin to recognize our own unique values and the ways in which we can harbor authenticity around our lives. Um, so hello, Caroline. Thank you for joining me today. Um, as hello. I said, I've been so excited to chat with you. Um, it's been a weird start to the year, but yeah, we can't really be surprised. How, how are you? I'm good. I don't know if I could tell you definitively what I am. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Um, I am deeply grateful for it. And I think we hear a lot of people say that, how grateful I am for all that I have. Um, and I'm kind of very, I think, quite um, reflective on some of the things that I want to carry through from last year. Some really great new ways of living that I that I by accident stumbled across. Um, and then on the other side, I'm very much missing, you know, the hugs uh, and the freedom. And I think we're all at this stage of like, it's a moment of us thinking about, well, forget on the macro level about how do we want to reset this world it's also I think individually we're all resetting aren't we so yeah I'm, I'm good and I do have a big smile on my face as well which is really great news that's it no I can really resonate with that I was thinking my my housemate she asked me the other day when I was having an absolutely horrible day are you okay and I was just like you know when you can't like no no I'm not okay but I'm not yeah. not do you know what I mean it's just kind of maybe we should stop asking close-ended questions and kind of just be like how do you feel and then give each other the space to kind of be like actually blah 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 blah. I don't know you know I think that's really important it's a lot of people ask including me sometimes we ask questions that we don't really want the answer to because it's a habit and uh one of the things that I've really enjoyed uh about this lockdown scenario is I think people are a lot more honest um, and are willing to say, you know, um, talk about how they feel much easier. Um, and if you think about with Zoom, I mean, we're facing into ourselves every single day more than we've ever had to. We cannot run away from our heads <laughs> or our feelings. So I think we're all starting to be a little bit more mindful of the, of the things we expect of ourselves, the questions that we ask and what are we really wanting to listen here to? Because I don't think a lot of us want to hear the truth of how we might feel about ourselves, let alone how others do. I know. It kind of feels like at the moment, everyone's a bit uncomfortable in the situation that they're in. So we're being a little bit more bold and brave and delving into the other areas of our life that might make us feel uncomfortable because, you know, we're already in that state as it is. So I think it kind of gives people a little bit of control, maybe um, exploring that kind of asset of their life a bit more people have kind of been forced to look back into themselves as you said is self-awareness ever a bad thing do you think oh my gosh no (laughs) you know I've had the you know I've, I've had the opportunity over the last 20 years to recruit people for a lot of the initiatives or the campaigns or the companies that I've set up around disability business inclusion the one thing that I will look for that will top anything off is a level of self-awareness. 
the more self-aware somebody is, I, I really, it's, it's a gift to work with people like that. And the second thing really interesting is I, I just love people who have sort of failed and splayed and fallen apart and put themselves back together again. I love that grit and resilience. I love the imperfection in the human. Um, and the only way that that can be really good is when somebody's self-aware. So do I think there is going to be too much of it? No, I don't actually. Um, but it's hard to do. Being self-aware requires us to be very brave because look, all of us have good, bad and ugly and we have light and dark. And I think the issue of self-awareness is, is that move to the panacea of self-acceptance, which is just so hard, right? It's so it really hard. Is. It's so hard. <laughs> and I, and the only way that I guess we'll ever get there and I'm not there. So the only way I, we get there is really trying to accept who we are in, in our entirety, mm. you know, that's it I feel as well though because the world is constantly moving and changing so are you as well so even if you think all right cool I'm 100% self-aware with the next day is going to come other things and experiences that may just turn everything completely on its head so I guess it's kind of like this journey that has no ending um now look at these women look even Glennon Doyle you look at you know when she she speaks about untamed we see moments in their lives and in a way that's beautiful, but their lives then continue on after that. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a TED talk in 2010 and it's so fascinating to me that people think, you know, they want me to do the TED talk. And I'm like, but that TED talk is so out of date. It's 10 years ago. <laughs> My self-awareness and personal development has come on leaps and bounds thank God, since then, my father has died, I closed down a business, my marriage broke up, I fell in love again. And with all of those experiences and lost some, win some, with each of those things, a new level of self-awareness. And I hope maybe a deeper level. And there is no such thing as full stop. There's no such thing as a credit roll. There's no such thing as a eureka moment that will define you for the rest of your life. We have defining moments, you see, moments. Mm -hmm. But they don't define you for the rest of your life because we take another breath. We have another tomorrow and look what happens. That's it. And I think it's just that we do, we naturally kind of, I don't know whether it's like nature or nurture, but we're like always trying to go, this is right and this is wrong and this is black and this is white and this is beginning and end. And it's like, we kind of have to teach ourselves to think differently. And it's, it's, it's the most challenging thing in the world, but it's so rewarding as well just to even look at something and see it as it is, which is completely grey and complex and intermingled. And, oh, you know, <laughs> one of my most absolute passions, and I talk about the beauty of grey. Yeah. Um, and grey is hard. Uh, and I would say in my lived experience of my my sight loss right so I'm not completely blind I'm severely visually impaired I am registered blind, but I'm not I am not I have sight well wait where do I fit in I'm not one of these extremes I'm somewhere in the gray in the middle yeah. and I think that's quite a hard place to be because the world is designed for the extremes yeah. and yet the beauty happens in the middle and it's the intersection between the extremes that the great stuff happens the juicy parts happen the the innovation happens, um, but it's a hard place to live in. Grey yeah. is hard um, because we don't maybe have as much control as we would like. Um, but just that's an example of it. I could have many examples of where I 
bang around in the gray in the gray part but I'm in the middle of writing a book at the moment or at least at the beginning of writing a book Ooh. and um yeah I know I know I mean oh my gosh one of the things that I talk about is this the beauty of gray yeah it is a, it's a really important piece in all of our lives it's hard I think it's like supporting people to be confident in themselves um to deal with uncomfortable situations is there's so much value in that and in that and I feel like with technology advancing you know rapidly within even the last 10 years we are kind of sharing a bit more information recently than we would be in the past and I feel like the world is getting a bit softer with COVID but I don't know whether I'm being optimistic or not <laughs> what do you think do you think no I, I agree with you I think it's because we are now in one place more I have spent years of my life traveling this is the longest I have lived in Dublin I got married in you know July of 2019 you know by I think week four was the most I'd been with my husband in nearly four years. And I've been able to have deeper conversations, more relationship, even sometimes on Zoom. And I think what I'm hearing coming through, we are being a little more gentle. So there's this kind of a gentling. Um, the power of the pause has been that gentling and helping us go deeper, not wider. You know, we've had to sort of come in and that's probably been no bad thing um we're closer to where we we are in our community because it could be two kilometers four kilometers five kilometers um in our hearts to the people that we know and we're finding that we're being well my experience is we are probably being more real mm. we are being more real because we can't run away from ourselves and we are experiencing a collective isolation a collective freedom being taken away from us and uh, regardless of where we are we understand something in each other that we probably didn't before I don't know how we're going to emerge from this but I I believe you're right there's been an awakening yeah. a collective an awakening and I just want to see that then tear apart <laughs> these old way and have the yeah. voice and the yeah. courage to tear up the models that don't exist to call it out to stop it, but not with violence behind it. I mean, with real compassion and real courage, you know? I honestly have faith. And I think a lot of other people do too. And I think, again, with the exchange of more information, people are asking these questions more. And, and I think people are trying to humanize the systems that govern us or the people that are working within the mob. I do hope that things change slowly. I, I'm going to believe that they will. Because I think we have been, we've had to touch inside ourselves. Our inner journeys, our inner maps as individuals are much more live in us. And if you join the, you know, that kind of individual awareness and individual reflection on mass, mm -hmm. how can we not see a change? It's yeah. that multiplier effect of so many of us having to go internally and, and to see into ourselves and maybe see our judgments and maybe see our own discriminatory thinking or um, I, I think that we're becoming much more aware of, of, our, of ourselves. And the other part that I, I'm so hopeful for is I think the intergenerational, I have, I've, I've kind of this idea of the youngest in our generations and the, and the elders. Well, every, every stage and every phase brings its own unique wisdom. 
Hmm. and we're all on this planet together like I keep saying inclusion is everyone for everyone I mean I know that's really idealistic but we don't mean have to be passionate about the same things but we just need to respect that everybody's experience is, is an experience so I think that you're absolutely right it's just how do we once again dance I often see how we dance with the stages and dance with the seasons of I love that as an analogy yeah but I, I feel it you know I see it and the older I get, oh my gosh, if I could just tell my younger self, it's like, stop trying to control everything yeah. and timetable everything. And if it didn't work, then you see it as a failure and you take it so personally because I'm learning now. And I can honestly tell you in this last year, it's like, okay, if things don't happen the way we may have hoped them to be, sure, I am disappointed. But my gosh, it doesn't pull me down in the same way. I, I don't yeah. take it so personally. I'm not fighting to control it I'm actually trusting because I'm living longer to know actually it kind of works out and I do not have a Pollyanna life there's nothing Pollyanna about my life I really come from a very you know difficult childhood uh, a very difficult place thank god uh, because it stretched that resilient muscle and though I may make things look easy they're not and so when I say that I've learned to trust you kind of have to well, it, there's a great cliche, you know, I used to, at the beginning, because I mean, I came out of the closet about my site 21 years ago now. And, uh, you know, there was a lot mm. when you're such a virgin in that space, which I really was in the disability world and fell into the old cliches, you know, um, you know, it's what you can do, not what you can't do and all this kind of stuff, you know, these nearly kind of dialed up caricatures or stereotypes of, of living with a disability. Mm. But one thing that is a cliche that is true you often can't control what's happening but you can control your response now I have to say I hate that I hated it when it happened but it's true so the truth of it is nothing's going to change but what can change is the six inches between my ears mm-hmm. and that just takes practice and time that energy and that practice and time and just whatever you were going to put out into the world just turn it back into yourself if you've got the time because yeah you've got to you know you said something earlier on you were like this time has really taught us how to believe in others or have faith in others I actually think this time has had to teach us how to truly be resilient within ourselves to have faith in ourselves to first trust ourselves hear ourselves listen to the voice that wants to come out because if we do that with ourselves we truly respected in others and that's when we can have faith in others i'm not sure that you can fully trust and have faith in others if you don't have that faith in yourself and it's really hard to mm. it's a hard practice yeah it's like yeah. you can't just forge meaningful connections you have no. to kind of have no. meaning to give i guess as well as receive isn't it it's a two-way yeah and that whole receive thing is really hard so you know that is one of my blind spots excuse the pun but i mean honestly Whew, I'm not the good at the receiving. Uh, I'm not good at the saying no. Um, you know, I thought that I would be good enough and lovable enough if I did this, this and this, that if I did great adventures, if I tried to save the world, if I made amends for all of my mess ups, that then I would be good enough. Well, actually, cheekers, no. <laughs> that <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> part of it is if I just shut up and stop running and just held into myself that actually ooh, there you are there's the wisdom that's the thing isn't it and it's kind of coming back into that whole hormonal thing as well and not just with females but like our human hormones is even that intuition like your your gut feelings and your gut's completely connected to you know the amount of serotonin your body produces so 
it's like we're all figuring out life going okay let's look at my diet over here and my mental health over here but in reality it's all gray it's all in that one box sort of thing or not box look I'm still trying to segment the grayness aren't I no you're not no I understand (laughs) what you're saying it's all in one it's all in one big mesh it's all interconnected you know and this is why functional medicine really interests me Mm. uh, because we need to look at the body as a holistic um entity Uh, like it's an organism that has the hormones and the eating and the mental health and our spirit and our soul and you know you cannot pull these pieces all apart because every one of them is so interconnected to Mm -hmm. to the other one and I think that might be something I hope that comes out of this COVID experience that we do start looking at a more holistic and a functional Mm -hmm. approach to medicine um, that really looks at a blended view of us as human beings and not these isolated like pieces I feel like I'm very passionate about medicine, like the role that health plays in people's lives, I should say rather, because obviously modern medicine's amazing. I live with two doctors and they're great as well. But it's kind of taking a few steps back and appreciating that it's the quality of life, I guess, over the quantity of life. Like if we're living to 100, that's great. But what is the life that we're living up into that point sort of thing? And what can we prevent like in regards to hardship in other people and I have absolutely no desire simply to stay here and live Mm. you know and take up space because of the ego wants to be here like I, I really I want to be the very best I can be not just for me but to be a good part yeah of this world and and when my father died unexpectedly and and it was his death actually that I'm so sorry was the catalyst to yeah to the valuable 500 I can I can hold him in my mind do you realize how precious this life is and how much and how important it is to make it necessary for you to live your life in your best way and just appreciate it I guess like yeah yeah you don't have to understand why we're here <laughs> no because like, I don't I don't think we will but I <laughs> I really, I just, I think I've been, I've been thinking about dad actually in a different way. The grief is Jerry, Jerry Casey. His, um, he was six foot six and size 15 feet. He was an enormous man. (laughs) You know, the grief, the actual grief of losing my dad when he wasn't supposed to go was the grief and the anger that I channeled to make the valuable 500 happen. I honestly don't believe it could have happened without that energy and, and this is where I think anger can be good if it's used well and you're aware of it. It just challenged me to just do what I wanted to do because I realized I had always wanted to do this. <laughs> um, and I, I've got to say, there's a thing called what they call sweet pain. Yeah. And there's a beauty in pain too because of what you learn from yourself, because of what you see, because of what you hear um, and because you're open to it and you, you, you're just lost into it. This is One For All from Sure Trust, aiming to build a future where rewarding employment is accessible for all. We believe in fairness, equality and opportunity. We are the largest not-for-profit employment support service in the UK. We are a social purpose organisation, challenging inequality and breaking down barriers to enable social mobility. And it's just like, I remember growing up and being like, so unfair, it's so unfair. And then it's like, now when you get older, you recognise 
those moments of pain and like that those really defining things within yourself is the rough times and that's when you've grown the most I think is the times where you are most uncomfortable and I can really identify with that because people keep asking me why are you going home why are you going back to Perth you know like why why are you still in London and it's like because I don't know <laughs> I feel like I, you know I, I should know. be here like and it's just even though I, I am uncomfortable being here um I I know what's at home sort of thing I don't know what's going to be here in the next couple months and it's just that's that's the thing that I'm always kind of telling people you know like make yourself uncomfortable do the do the thing that scares you and it's like when you're faced with that choice it's it's different isn't it like well you're brave because you have a choice um um, and sometimes when we're pushed into really dark places we didn't have a choice um so I think there's something and I couldn't agree with you more by the way when I am more scared I definitely know there's something beautiful just around the corner and I can honestly say that with my life there's I, I live it um, Leonard Cohen, I mean, I was an obsessive about Leonard Kenner Cohen, just stunning. Oh but um, his, his, one of his best known lines is from Anthem, you know, it, forget your perfect offering. It's the cracks where the light gets in. And I, I, I mean, I've got to tell you, if I had to put something to kind of best to be the descriptor of my life, it is that. It's not just the cracks where the light gets in, it's forget your perfect offering. Because you know what? There's no such thing. I have spent so much of my life trying to be something that I am not. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and I was only talking to a great friend of mine last night, you know, going through a breakup. Uh, and I was just like, there's a great, you know, the great song, you know, I can't make you love me if you won't. You can't make your heart feel something that it doesn't, you know, yeah. we can't, we have to let love come in and come out. <laughs> yeah. And it's a real lesson to stop trying to control things. And I think this conversation is a lot about trying to, it's much harder to do than we're suggesting. It is yeah. really hard, you know. <laughs> I don't want to lose you, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I want this to happen. Yeah. But unfortunately, the yeah. truth is that we've got to let it go. Often. And that's the thing, and it's like, but I think our mind tricks us too in, in that where we think, you know, the end of a relationship or even in regards to employability, you know, like losing a job, it's like it's the end. Boom, you think that. it's over finito that's it and it's just like no 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 it's just the beginning of something else or it's not even the beginning of something else it's just something else you know because it's this constantly moving complex wave beast of life energy this is exactly what it is I think <laughs> when you when you lose something or when you fail or you didn't get funding I mean when I think about all the failures that I've had and some of them just I felt like they broke me into yeah However, I always felt I could see a tiny piece of light. And all I ever needed was a piece of light just to hold on to as I was swimming through the murky water. Because um, my heart is broken. When you, when you have a big heart, when you love and you, you get excited and you're hopeful and you're slightly crazy, because I am a rebel biker chick, even though I can't <laughs> ride the bike with my wings on my back. You know, believe me, you set yourself up for massive gorgeousness and, and whatever but oh the other side of that is just so devastating yeah. you know when you're when your heart is big to feel it breaks big you know it yeah. disappoints big the expectations are huge and then when they don't happen there's it's awful so you know yeah you gotta live with the realness of all of that and I I think that's something I don't I, I want to kind of put a bam on the the pain um in a way 
I know when I fall, it's going to fall. So that's okay. You know, it's not going to crack me in two anymore. I'm like, okay, here we go. There's a beauty in it, as you say. That's it. It's like, rather than trying to prevent the fall, it's like learning how to fall well. Yes. Yes, queen. That is it. It's like, I I would say that, you know, somebody was asking, (laughs) why am I writing this book? Or, and they're like, are you writing this book because you don't want people to go through what you went through? And I said, gosh, no, not at all. What I want to say is, no, it's okay. And this is some of the ways I got out of it. And you know that you'll recognize this when you do too. It's not to say don't make the mistakes. It's that you will and the pain will be there. But that's okay because lots of us do. This is what happens. I remember saying it's like tough times never last, but tough people do. And not say, you know, like not trying to pigeonhole into a definition of toughness, but it's kind of true. It's like something that matters to you today. Think about if it's going to matter in five years time. And I feel like that's a measure for how long you should think on it. You know, yeah, that's I really like that. That's good. I think I really need to have I really have to give myself boundaries in that way, I think, because I'm quite Mm -hmm. the same with what you were saying before, how, you know, you have a big heart and you feel things, which is great. But when you do feel you know disappointment or sadness like you feel it with your whole being sort of thing so it is important to kind of have that self-awareness I guess for myself personally and be like right I need boundaries or I'm going to get angry or I'm going to get upset but like you said as well not stopping yourself from living life at the same time so yeah resilience it's always like this thing that we come back to isn't it and yeah like I was saying before I remember growing up and you have that mentality where you're like why me you know like why is it happening to me and da, da, da. And then when you grow up and look back you recognize that all of those hard times were the times that have given you your character and grown you and that sort of thing. This is One For All from Sure Trust. Kind of bringing it back to our listeners perspectives I guess like so many people would have lost you know their jobs or a really stable part of their lives that could kind of attribute to their sense of self-awareness and identity and accountability how can people work through that okay the first thing is I don't really have the answers for anybody on their experience but what I do have is my own and when things were taken away from me um I I may not be able to understand Exactly. But I do know what it means like to lose your livelihood, to lose your job, to lose everything. I have lost everything in my life. Um, And what I would say is my greatest mistake was trying to fix it too quickly. I ran to make amends or to fix it uh, or to reset up another company or do something. I, I didn't stop and allow, I'm sorry, the, maybe this is the wrong wor- word, but I didn't stop and own actually the sadness in it, the loss in it, the grief in it, the disappointment, the anger. And I think that was something that I should have done because I wouldn't have made a series of mistakes that happened afterwards because the shame of losing things, because I had lost everything. I mean, my life was obliterated and thrown up. Um, this not sitting with the uncomfortableness um, and, and the loss of it uh is what maybe maybe i didn't make the right decisions for quite some time after so my first one is giving you time to process yes but actually no it was just to stop running okay like just to feel what it was to find really trusted people to speak to 
Um, and to own that, it's okay. It's not weak to say, geez, I'm heartbroken. My knuckles are on the ground here, you know, because I have this caricature. People see me as a spider and I am strong. Do not get me wrong, but I'm also vulnerable like anybody else. And I wasn't willing at the time to own that vulnerable side because I had so much shame around it. Mm -hmm. So the big piece is to actually speak about it, to find others, a person trusted, work through it, speaking <laughs> or singing or dancing or running or whatever it is, work through it and own it. And you don't have to be a superhero in pain, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you do not need to be a superhero in pain and loss so that's my first one the second I think is aside from time and owning that space in it I really do want to say this because I've lived it again no moment in your life will define the rest of your life okay no none because if that was true I wouldn't be here can't tell you how different I am here, like some wobble in my voice than I was in January 2015. Cannot tell you if my life was going to be what my life was then, and if I didn't believe in the phosphorescence, I wouldn't be here with all the stuff that has happened since. So, what I'm trying to say is, whatever it is, know it's going to pass. This too shall pass. Try find that little spark, protect yourself, listen to yourself, go into yourself, because I think it's to listen to you, because all the wisdom is in there. The third is, I think also, and if you've lost a job and you've had to be stepped aside and pushed aside, go reach out as well to other people who are doing things that you might like to do. And I'm not talking about the people who are in a similar situation, but what does excite you? Is it something else? Could you look to something else? What's making your heart tick? What's making you, what did you learn? Do you absolutely hate that, love that, like that? Reach out to people because people genuinely love to share. They love to share stories mm -hmm. and they... And they, and they like advice. And then I think the other thing is just be very careful to be mindful who's around you. What are you listening to? Uh, what are you exposing yourself to? You know, don't do too much of that motivational stuff because it's going to make you feel really icky and like you're like, oh my God, I cannot be that inspirational. Black love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, don't. It's like you are enough, you are perfect. No, oi, that is all very well, but it's very hard to live. So just be careful what's in your feed what you're comparing yourself to, listen to the jealous voice in you. Why, if you're jealous of something, what is it telling you? What's underneath that? What is it that you want? And I think they're the kind of things, it sounds very mindful, but that's what you need to do. And I can honestly tell you a bit of, I think movement's really important. If you can, uh, whatever way you can move is really important to move the stuff through your body, for sure. And music for me. Music, yes. music, music, music. Yes. Get your heart out. I you love it. You can dance in your chair. You can dance in your legs. You can lie on the ground. I do it all. You know, do it. You know, yeah. move to music. I have been scheduling in little lunchtime dances. <laughs> my, all my housemates think I've gone crazy, but I'm like, I have to do it. I have to get rid of this anxious energy because I'm just sitting at my desk and it really does make a difference, you know, just choosing to move whether it's physically or mentally or whatever something about movement moves you through and knowing that sometimes when it's so hard take it day by day if that's too much mm. take it hour by hour mm -hmm. it it does change mm -hmm. it does improve and go and look for other things as you said sometimes when the door shuts what else is there there because i've had to believe in myself when I really 
did not want to because there was not enough in my mind to. But I also can say to you, it's amazing. There are, when somebody around you tells you they love you or that, they're, that you're great, they're not saying it to make you feel good. They mean it. You've just got to hear it. Yeah. Let it in because yeah. you are loved and you are good enough. All of us are, but that's not easy to believe. I feel um, like we're taught that, you know, we're taught to believe that we're not loved by, you know, the outer community or anything just because it does give us that little bit of strength or I don't really know why we're not taught to be more vulnerable as we're growing up. I guess it is about survival to an extent, but yeah, we don't really have that moment where we turn around after we're all grown and go, okay, let's feel our feelings now that we can protect ourselves sort of thing, I guess. Well, I, I think there's a great, there's a one or two great books I would suggest. Um, mm-hmm. Brené Brown is uh, somebody when I was going through that horrendous time, mm-hmm. I have never read self-help book in my life. I'm like, oh no, I don't do self-help books. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I really was that arrogant. <laughs> what an arrogant person am I? Anyway, in the moment of like despair is the best way to say it. I don't know how somebody had bought me Brené Brown years ago and it was sitting on my, you know, bedside table and I picked it up and I was so glad because what I learned is soft, harsh, strong back. I'm like, yes, got it. and what I learned from her reading her was the strength in vulnerability and yeah. truly my life turned around when I gave into that, when for the very first time, really in a long time, I said, I need some help. And, and that doesn't mean I need some help in some massive way, but it was to stop the grit and the fight and say, actually, yeah, I'm really scared. Yeah. And, and I'm I really sad. What you said before as well, like taking it each day or each hour, it's even like taking it each conversation. It's like yeah. you can say one thing one day and it might take a little bit of weight off your shoulders. So, you know, in six months time you might be able to tell someone something that's really bothering you or share something that you never would have shared in the first place but kind of taking that one step to communicate maybe about something that would generally make you feel uncomfortable or you wouldn't think to you know share with someone in the first place I think taking that step to show vulnerability then encourages other people to be vulnerable as well yeah and, and I think the most powerful way for any of us to recover from disappointment is connection with another mm-hmm. human being. Mm-hmm. It is the most, and that's what's so hard about this COVID situation because we are using physical connection. Um, but, and so connection, I believe, is one of the greatest way that we can have recovery. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is to, to really encourage all of us to the permission to change our minds. Yeah. So you might say one day, well, I'm, okay, I, I'm going to be a baker. You know, that's it. Like, I know this is actually, well, you know what? You can change your mind in seven or eight conversations later. You can say, guess what? I got that wrong. That's okay. But you might have made three great cakes in the meantime that weren't in the world before. Or had three great conversations. It doesn't matter. You don't, like, nobody's holding a gun to our heads. It's our lives, our biographies, our stories. We get to live them. You want to change course? Change it. Nobody else is looking at you because they have no right to. They have no right to judge you because I think we imagine who, who are they that are judging us anyway? <laughs> so my encouragement is like, you know, have all the conversations, go exploring. And if you change your mind, well, you change your mind. Yeah, that's it. And it's nice to know as well that there is support and resources and 
you know, things like, say, this podcast that are out there just kind of cheering you on a little bit. Like, I, I hope that makes some people kind of feel better that there are people out there that are working for them or have the same views or even just chatting to you today. I've had all these thoughts in the past month or so, but no one to, you know, chew the beef with or, you know, talk them out with. So even though we're virtually having a chat, I can feel your authenticity coming through and, you know, giving energy to each other and that sort of thing. So it does, we will prevail regardless of the lockdowns and such. I we, think. Listen, we totally will. And I, I, <laughs> I kind of want to end on one thing that I feel that I'm so shocked at um, in this lockdown. So I've done a lot of speaking on stages. You know, I've been a disability activist for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I say things that are maybe controversial meaning you know, when I talk to business, I mean, you know, I'm asking business to use their heads and their hearts. It's the intersection of humanity and business head. And, and I really deeply care, you know, I care sometimes too much, but I really care about the human beings that we all are. I believe for inclusion for everyone, we have to include people with disabilities. I don't want us to only be labeled by one part of ourselves, but this experience of humanity needs to be understood and really respected. And when you do that, when I'm speaking like that, I've done it for, for years from stages for years i've used podium and well never a podium but i've used the stage and nearly a rallying cry you know i'm nearly like this you know i'm shrieking from the stages to these businesses whatever <laughs> blah, blah, blah. yeah and then COVID happened mm. and then they wanted me to speak into a zoom lens like i would have spoken on a stage and what people don't understand about me or there's a misconception about me is i'm actually half extrovert half introvert mm-hmm. And I certainly am a digital introvert. So I was terrified. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, terrified because I could have spoke from a stage and I could do all of that. And I miss the connection of the human so much because when you can't see very well, I read energy. I feel you like so I'm no longer in a room anymore. And there's no way I was going to feel through a screen. You know what happened? And I learned is I am now even more real through a Zoom lens than I ever was on stage. And do you know why? Is because I have to draw from myself, the true authenticity of myself to speak to you or a thousand people, which I've had to do on screen because I can't hear the audience. I can't hear your response. I can't feel you. And so I'm not seeking to please you as an audience. I am really seeking to draw from myself. And so that connection has been so much more intimate and so much more profound than I imagined. And I cannot believe that I'm saying that. So what I kind of want to say at the end of this incredible conversation is anybody who's out there listening that is feeling on their own or scared or disconnected or wrong or exhausted, you know, hear you, hear you, see you feel you and you ain't on your own um so i think you will we will all move forward but we all move forward with totally our hearts fully there and present in ourselves and not trying to be anybody else but truly just trying to be ourselves that's how and it's hard but you've got the greatest chance to do it that's beautiful i think that's just such a gorgeous measure of the human spirit as well as the fact that we can still hear each other we can still see each other but the computer can't, hasn't got the camera or the microphone for the feelings, but we've still got that going. So 
I think that's beautiful. <laughs> well, it, it, it's real. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Caroline. It's been absolutely amazing speaking with you. You had me laughing at one point and tears in another. It's just, it's so nice to have a, a nice conversation with a, a human being. <laughs> well, thank you for having the time to no. sit with me. Uh, and also it was so great not to speak about my work, but to speak about who I am. Yeah. And uh, it's very rare that you get the time to do that. And thank you for being a wonderful honor. person to have a conversation with, which I look forward to when we move again it might be lovely to see you thank you so much caroline i really 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 have had an amazing time chatting me too